Welcome to PQ Talk on Call, a podcast dedicated to current and aspiring intensivists. I'm Pradeep Kumar, coming to you from Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, Emory University School of Medicine. And I'm Rahul Demania from Cleveland Clinic Children's Hospital. And we are two pediatric ICU physicians passionate about all things med-ed in the PICU. PICU Doc on Call focuses on interesting PICU cases and management in the acute care pediatric setting. So let's get into our episode. Welcome to our episode of a 21-month-old girl with somnolence and difficulty breathing. Here is the case presented by Rahul. A 21-month-old girl was brought to the outside hospital emergency department for somnolence and difficulty breathing. She developed this after she accidentally ingested an unknown amount of a liquid medication that was used by her grandfather. Per mother, the patient's grandfather was given the liquid medication for treatment of his opioid addiction. The patient took some unknown amount from the open bottle that was left on the counter by the grandfather. Immediately after ingestion of the medicine, the patient became irritable and had some generalized pruritus. The patient subsequently became sleepy, followed by developing respiratory distress, difficulty breathing, and her lips turning gray. She was rushed to an outside hospital emergency department for evaluation. So now we're at the outside emergency department, and the patient arrives unresponsive and blue. She was noted to be sleepy and difficult to arouse on arrival. On exam, she had pinpoint pupils, and when you looked at the vital sign monitor, she was hypoxemic to 88% on her saturations. After receiving naloxone, however, she became awake and interactive. Her glucose on presentation was 58, and her initial venous blood gas resulted. The values were pH of 7.3, a PCO2 of 50, and a base excess of plus 2. She continued to have intermittent episodes of somnolence without apnea. Poison control was called and recommended starting a Narcan infusion. She was given a dextrose bolus, and the patient was subsequently admitted to the pediatric intensive care unit. So Rahul, to summarize key elements from this case, our patient has accidental ingestion of an unknown medication. She has altered mental status. She has difficulty breathing with gray lips, suggestive of hypoventilation or hypoxia, all of which bring up concern for a toxidome, which is our topic of discussion for today. Now, this patient has the typical symptoms, which are pinpoint pupils, respiratory depression, and a decreased level of consciousness. And this is actually known as the opioid overdose triad. Now, given history of opioid addiction in the grandfather, the liquid medication likely that the patient uh, took was methadone. And in fact, in this case, the mother brought the bottle of medicine to the pediatric ICU on admission, and uh, this was subsequently confirmed to be methadone, and it was given to the grandfather in the setting of his opioid withdrawal. One important point that I want to address right now, Pradeep, is the fact that when we look at this case and the 88% saturation, this hypoxemia is most likely due to hypoventilation. And it's a very important physiologic principle to note that hypoventilation is a cause of hypoxemia that has a normal AA gradient. So Rahul, let's dive deeper into this episode. Why don't we start with a multiple choice question? All right, let's do it. So which of the following opioids carries the greatest risk of QTC prolongation? A, methadone. B, morphine. C, fentanyl. Or D, dilaudid. 
And Rahul, the correct answer here is actually A, methadone. Now, methadone prolongs QTC interval due to its interactions with the cardiac potassium channel, also known as KCNH2 channel, and it increases the risk for torsades in a dose-dependent manner. Besides the above effect on cardiac repolarization, methadone is also associated with development of bradycardia mediated via its anticholinesterase properties and through its action as a calcium channel antagonist. Now, hypokalemia, hypocalcemia, hypomagnesemia, and the concomitant use of other drugs belonging to the family of CYP3A4 system inhibitors such as erythromycin can prolong the QTC. Even in absence of these risk factors, methadone alone can prolong the QTC. Thanks so much for that, Pradeep. And I think it's very important to involve your pediatric inpatient pharmacy team to help with the management of children who may be on methadone or even other QTC prolonging medications. It's important to discuss the frequency of when to get EKGs on rounds as well. So Rahul, what are some of the pharmacological and clinical features of methadone poisoning? Yeah, so let's go ahead and go into the mechanism of action of methadone. So methadone is a synthetic opioid analgesic made up of a racemic mixture of two enantiomers, D-methadone and L-methadone. And besides its action on the mu and kappa receptors, it is also an NMDA receptor antagonist, kind of like ketamine. So due to its long action, methadone is useful as an analgesic and to suppress opioid withdrawal symptoms, and hence why, in this case, the grandfather was using it for opioid detoxification. Methadone can also cause GI symptoms, things like constipation, nausea, vomiting, and it can cause nausea secondary to its effect on the chemoreceptor trigger zone, which is going to be found in the brain. Now, methadone is well absorbed in the GI tract and actually can be detected in the plasma within 30 minutes. Its half-life, though, is very long. Remember, methadone, long-acting opioid. So its half-life is 10 to 18 hours, and it can actually be as high as 25 hours in acute overdoses. So in infants and children, a single dose of methadone can cause clinical manifestations for up to 72 hours. So close monitoring is going to be very important in these patients. Now, the action of methadone is similar to morphine it is going to be a agonist at the mu, delta, and kappa receptors. And it can cause drowsiness, respiratory depression, hypotension, and meiosis. These are all important physical exam findings. And remember, you're going to be trending vital signs on these patients pretty frequently. Now, methadone in some case reports has also been known to cause such bad CNS depression that it can lead to cerebral edema and this is seen in very severe toxicity. Pradeep, if you had to work up our patient with the acute methadone ingestion, what would be your overall diagnostic approach? Rahul, that's an excellent question. So uh, in general, the classic triad of meiosis, respiratory depression, and altered mental status with a quick response to naloxone is almost diagnostic of opioid poisoning, in this case, methadone. So if there's a history of methadone exposure, such as our case above, it will essentially help us to clinch the diagnosis. Now, in general, in any poisoning, I try to send a blood gas, a comprehensive metabolic panel, a CBC, 
and routine and comprehensive drug screens, which may help with other coexisting toxins. So remember, patient may take more than one toxin that we may not be aware of. Now, methadone is usually not tested on standardized drug screens unless you specifically request it. Standard urine immunoassays are not able to detect synthetic opioids such as methadone. Now, methadone ingestion can be confirmed when both methadone and methadone metabolites like EDDP are detected in urine using high-performance liquid chromatography. However, such testing is costly and may take time. The window of methadone detection can range from three to four days and rarely even up to 14 days. I would also get an EKG in such patients and always, always follow your state poison control recommendations. So Rahul, if our history, physical, and diagnostic investigation has led us to methadone ingestion as a diagnosis, what would be your general management framework in the PICU? That's a great question. And I think at heart, we are all going to go for our airway, breathing, and circulation algorithm. And that's really important. We want symptomatic and good supportive PICU care with continuous monitoring of airway patency, as well as other vital signs. Remember that when it comes to moderate methadone toxicity, there may be a role for charcoal lavage. However, you want to take into consideration the patient's uh, mental state at the time of uh, considering lavage. You want to administer oxygen and really assist ventilation for uh, respiratory depression. As a practical point, it's going to be important to have your bag mask valve tested and your respiratory therapist aware as well in case you have to manually bag the patient or in some cases intubate the patient. Now, naloxone is a opioid antagonist and it is the antidote of choice, especially in severe toxicity. Now, for children under the age of five years or even less than 20 kilos, you want to use naloxone or Narcan at the dose of 0.1 mg per kilo. And for children who are a bit older, greater than five or greater than 20 kilos, two milligrams IV every two to three hours is going to be really important. Now, naloxone can be administered sub-Q, IM, IV, or even intranasally or via your endotracheal tube. A continuous infusion is going to be necessary in patients who are going to ingest large quantities of opioids or long-acting opioids, such as in our case, methadone. And the important point to note is that patients are going to likely need at times repeated doses of Narcan because the duration of action is one to two hours. Now, the infusion of Narcan should be started at a rate such that two-thirds of the dose effective for initial reversal is administered each hour and titrated as needed. So again, these patients are going to have repeated doses of Narcan and figuring out how many milligrams this patient had will also guide your management when it comes to an infusion. Now, naloxone can potentiate opioid withdrawal in patients. It can also cause uh, nausea. Another side effect that you want to note is the transient hypertension that naloxone can cause. And in very rare circumstances, it can cause pulmonary edema. I really want to emphasize the airway management. And remember that these patients who take long-acting opioids like methadone may require early intubation and ventilation assistance. And this should be performed at, at any sign, really, of respiratory depression that does not respond to Narcan. 
adequate circulatory support with IV fluids and vasopressors is also going to be important. And remember, you want to have a team-based approach to your care. At times, children with concurrent ingestions may end up having seizures. And so we want to treat seizures with benzodiazepines and in severe cases, propofol as well as barbiturates. Along with your airway monitoring, you want to make sure you pay attention to the cardiac support. Remember, methadone is going to be a QT prolonger. So you want to have these patients on telemetry. You may even want to get frequent EKGs on these patients. These patients are also going to need a good cardiac milieu. So correct any electrolyte abnormalities. Make sure you are trending magnesiums as well as potassiums and calciums. Now, very rarely, ECMO may be required if there is life-threatening pulmonary edema refractory to the standard measures we talked about. But usually the airway breathing circulation, as well as Narcan pearls, which we just talked about, should be adequate in patients. Pradeep, as we get deeper into our case, it was found that the patient actually had some significant hypoglycemia. Do you mind shedding some light on how this hypoglycemia is related to the methadone overdose? Yeah, I think that's a thing we commonly forget. But in any methadone ingestion, we need to kind of monitor blood glucose very carefully. Most studies report hypoketotic, hyperinsulinemic hypoglycemia after an acute unintentional methadone exposure, especially with high doses. Possible etiologies for hypoglycemia include the promotion of pancreatic insulin release, suppression of counter-regulatory hormones such as glucagon, epinephrine, and the sympathoadrenal response to hypoglycemia, as well as impairment of glycogenolysis and gluconeogenesis. As we wrap up today, let us also go through the criteria for observation, admission, and ICU-level care for patients with methadone ingestion. All patients who develop CNS or respiratory depression should be admitted for observation for at least 24 hours even after adequate response to naloxone therapy. Patients who require intubation or a naloxone infusion will obviously require an intensive care unit admission. Patients should not be discharged until they have remained awake and alert for four to six hours after naloxone infusion has been discontinued. Now, from an ER standpoint, patients with mild toxicity who do not require naloxone should be observed for at least six to eight hours before they are discharged home. Those are some great guidelines. And I think it will be very important if you have a patient in your PICU that has an opioid overdose or methadone ingestion to consult with your toxicologist as well as local uh, poison control. Pradeep, as an experienced uh, clinician, I'd love to hear some clinical pearls or some pitfalls to avoid related to this case. So I think, Raul, it's important to remember that the triad of pinpoint pupils Respiratory depression with altered mental status is highly suggestive of opioid poisoning. Naloxone is the drug of choice in opioid overdose, and infusion may be needed for longer-acting agents such as methadone. In addition to naloxone, close attention to airway patency and maintenance of respiration is required in the PQ. So today we learned about a lot, and in particular, we really hammered the management of methadone ingestion in a toddler. Please remember, liquid methadone is highly toxic, and even one teaspoon can lead to fatality in a toddler. 
besides appropriate storage of methadone to prevent accidental ingestion by toddlers, early recognition of the opioid triad, altered mental status, pinpoint pupils, and respiratory depression, as well as prompt medical intervention can be life-saving. But prevention is key. Remember, we're all pediatricians at heart. This concludes our episode on methadone ingestion. We hope you found value in a short case-based podcast. We welcome you to share feedback, subscribe, and place a review on our podcast. Please visit our website, pqdoconcall.org, which showcases our episodes as well as our Doc on Call management cards. PQ Doc on Call is hosted by me, Pradeep Kamath, and my co-host, Dr. Rahul Dimenia. Stay tuned for our next episode. Thank you. Thank you.